0: That has been massively beneficial. So you might start talking to somebody two years prior to them actually saying, now you're at a stage where we will invest or we are interested in investing and we can have a second conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Female Foundry 3.0 podcast. On this podcast, we share engaging and inspiring stories from female entrepreneurs, investors, and innovators that are shaping the web 3.0 future. Tune in. Here is our host, investor, serial entrepreneur, and technology enthusiast, Agata Norica. Hello,
1: everyone. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah Stevens, a co-founder of Restless, who recently secured a 6.8 million euros series A round led by Moneta Venture Capital and was featured in the week number 51 of the Female Foundry newsletter. Hi, Sarah. It's great to see you. Let's start by getting to know you better. Can you briefly
0: introduce yourself? I am Sarah. I am the CTO and co-founder at Rassus. I have, I think it's around a 17-year history as a technologist, software engineer, having worked previously in investment banking, and then making the leap to join my co-founder, Stuart, and start Restless. Just over four and a half years ago. Our mission is to help and inspire the over 50s to get more from life. <laughs> Let's go back in time
1: because, obviously, as you've mentioned, you've had quite a long career as a software developer before you started Restless or even before starting your first company because I know that Restless is not your first startup. What brought you to start your own business?
0: Yeah so I've always had a great interest in technology mainly working in the financial sector it's quite hard working big corp if you want to deliver impact quickly and see the impact that you're delivering so I had started a side gig with a cocktail bar, so very different from technology. And then I had moved to New York and I was enjoying a project out there in regulatory risk. The project's all tied up and finished. And I was thinking about moving back to the UK as my partner was back there. And it just seemed like a great opportunity to make a jump into combining my technology skills Mm -hmm. and starting something new. I made them move back to the UK and I got introduced to my co-founder, Stuart. It was just him and a pitch deck. And thought, so if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in and really be able to shape and mold the future of an exciting business.
1: So, does it mean that actually Stuart, your co founder, brought this idea behind uh, Restless?
0: Yeah, so I definitely can't take credit for the idea. It was very much Stuart at the beginning. He kind of reflected on some of the experiences of his father having been in work for half his life and then retirement for half his life and had witnessed the decline into retirement rather than the glide into retirement. And that got him thinking and doing a lot of research and one of the books he read was around the hundred year life and how longevity is a really big space actually and how we're living for longer and how society isn't set up to support living for longer we're not focused on vitality being healthy and active as we get older we're extending that midlife portion so we're feeling younger for Mm -hmm. longer so he really recognized that there's a shift there's data that shows if you were a child born in 1910 there was less than a 1% chance of you reaching 100. If you were born in 2010, there's now a 30% chance of you reaching 100. So that's a huge shift. That's massive. So society hadn't caught up yet. But that was kind of the idea and the premise of Restless to start with. And how do we try and create a solution or a product or a set of services that align with this massive macroeconomic shift, you've got opportunity to kind of get in there and create a business that supports that.
1: Very interesting. So therefore, what do you do today at Restless? And can you tell us how your products evolved over time?
0: Yeah, so we've been building traction in that space for the last four years, specifically in the workspace. And that is actually where we started. So we'd started advocating for a very much age diverse workforce so changing our approach to how we engage with the over 50s and support them with flexible working and seeing over 50 is not going into retirement but perhaps a change in how we approach our working life, portfolio careers, for example. So we advocate for that demographic in that space when it comes to workforce with the companies that are hiring, but also presenting them with their 50s with jobs that they can apply for with age-diverse employers. We do financial advice and guidance. Financial literacy is really important with the shift in living longer so your finances support you Mm -hmm. through that period. Previously, maybe you would be eight years in retirement and that's all your what retirement pot would have to support and now you're looking a lot longer 20 years or more so how do we support people in that and how are the products changing in order to support them health insights and support really important so really focusing on being stronger for longer being healthier for longer so how can we provide activities events ideas that promote on learning and fitness and well-being so there's so loads of things we're doing that we'd originally start with jobs and then <laughs> rapidly expanded into multiple tools. This happened a lot sooner than we had anticipated due to COVID.
1: And so therefore, how did you learn from your customer base to expand your product? Did you run surveys?
0: Great question. And this is something we really care about at Restless. It's all data driven, whether it's qualitative or quantitative data. And I think you have to have a mix of both. We create content and we use content as a vehicle to test into the market. What are people engaging with? What are they interested in? Travel's right up there, actually. We saw a dip through COVID, of course, but actually, we're starting to come out of that dip and people really love travel. What financial content are they focused on? How are they engaging? What's their dwell time? to go really granular what pages are they looking at what's their referral journey and then the qualitative data side sending out requests for focus groups speaking to people asking them about their lives what do they do what are their pain points what are their gain points and really breaking out how do we fix those pains but also gives them that delight in the gains that they might not have realized that they need so i think it's a combination of the two things and Constantly we see health and wealth are these two points for people. So that's how we're kind of evolving the products. It's it's hard because there's so much you could do. So then the problem becomes prioritization. <laughs> right, what can we do in this space? And then just testing ideas and getting validation back from those ideas.
1: And how many people do you have currently using your platform?
0: So we have just over a million members. We're at 1.2, 1.3 million members. Mm -hmm. So we've got over 1.5 million visits a month onto the website. It's also repetitive kind of use as well and having that reoccurring visits, which is really, really important for your lifetime value of your member.
1: Currently, you just focused on the UK from what I understand Yes.
0: Yeah, just the UK market and international expansion presents lots of opportunities and it could be really exciting. We're not in a position to do it yet. We've talked when the climate was a little bit different around testing into other markets, we could start to do that. If we get the opportunity and the timing is right, we don't want to get distracted Mm -hmm. because that could be a huge distraction for us if we don't have the right setup, the right resources, the right financing behind us. So yes, in the future, I'd love to, <laughs> not the right time just yet, I don't think.
1: Okay, very interesting. So let's move to your fundraising. So you have recently raised a 6.8 million euros Series A round led by Moneta Venture Capital. And you have <laughs> raised up to this point just over 15 million pounds in total from various investors could you briefly tell us about your first institutional financing round? So we are going back all the way to yeah. probably pre seed round. Building a platform for over fifties. It's not necessarily, as I said, the hottest space to back for <laughs> VCs. So <laughs> how did you go about raising your first round of institutional um, financing?
0: A great question. I think the total is somewhere near around seventeen million just so because back. I would I don't think that our first like pre-seed round is listed anywhere which was about very early on before we even really got out of the gate I can't take a lot of credit for the relationships that Stuart has built he's built incredible relationships over the last several years in industry in order to be able to leverage those to pitch an idea obviously the idea still has to be credible and investment worthy but it does allow you to get in front of people that you might not. Normally be able to get in front of at such an early stage. He is uh, at the beginning actually was able to pitch the initial idea. And it was all around the size, the TAM, the size of the opportunity was the way that we were able to sell this in. Obviously, we didn't have loads of execution evidence and proof at that point, but it was the size, the opportunity, the shift in society was really what we were selling in. And I think the climate's changed a little bit now. We might not actually be as successful as we were previously there was a lot of luck involved in fundraising but i think that was the way that we were able to position ourselves in order to get that initial funding that unlocked us for around a year and a half for a team of five to run at the idea but very much having strong relationships in that sector already was Mm -hmm. massively supporting not just with the institutional investor but also the angels that came along with us as well so very fortunate i think
1: Yeah, and also we are talking about 2020. Yes, the the market, as you described, was slightly better. Let's say it comes (laughs) to investor appetite and risk-taking, especially when we are talking about the areas that are not necessarily the typical to back. Moving back then to 2021, you managed to raise a seed round in 2021, basically just just over a year after you raised your pre-seed round. What difference did you see when it comes to investor expectations at that stage.
0: So I think there's still focus on the team, very much the team. Who are the team that are bringing together? How well do they work together? What are their backgrounds? What are they bringing to the table? What are the potential issues there? There definitely needed to be execution evidence. Like, can you execute as a team? Great, good. Can you execute on an idea and what are you learning and how are you evolving based on that? I think that's what, what they were looking for. That was my takeaway anyway. Go ahead. Sorry, this is my (laughs) Siri.
1: We should keep that in. Oh, brilliant. Based on that, actually, did your seed investors take an active role in helping you to raise that seed round or how helpful were those relationships from previous rounds? to help you to raise the follow-on round and that's
0: definitely Definitely. that's been one of the things that i've really noticed and it is the one responsible for the fundraising so still having conversations with people with the two three four year view on whether that conversation will actually progress further in terms of funding so that has been massively beneficial so you might start talking to somebody two years prior to them actually saying now you're at a stage where we will invest or we are interested in investing and we can have a second conversation yeah There's a lot of networking coffees that happen behind the scenes. Your current investors are supporting in the background Mm -hmm. and talking to other investors that they know and the relationships that they have. And that is definitely a huge part of getting those intros. It is at least getting your foot in the door and that conversation happening. And then it's up to you to evidence and prove that this is a business that the VC should be investing in. Mm -hmm. So for sure, those current investors were helping to support the next round. Mm -hmm. Definitely.
1: So your latest round, which was what 6.1 i think I this is last year what metrics do you remember in particular vcs were looking for you've already been capitalized i guess their expectations have changed at that point
0: yeah and was towards the end of last year there was a lot of focus on revenue as opposed to growth like previously it was like mm-hmm. what what are your growth metrics how many members do you have? Like how many returning people do you have? And that was like, but what's your revenue? What's your AR? That's what we wanna see. So much more focused on that. What's your burn multiple? So how is you burning versus your revenue? That was really important. And then also they were starting to look at payback periods. So less on your LTVs. Those were the things I really noticed as a change in discussion. So that changes your pitch and how are you trying to alleviate some of the questions How you position yourself also changes some of the decisions that you might make in your business earlier on because you're looking at those future discussions about well how am i going Mm -hmm. in order to support that which is is a different way of thinking
1: when did you actually close that round december last year so you must have been already impacted by the economic slowdown definitely
0: Um. for sure i don't know who didn't get impacted by that we've spoken previously about just how relentless it's actually been you mentioned brexit end of 2019 beginning of 2020 covid hit and that was just as we were really starting to see traction on our jobs revenue. And of course, COVID then bought about the employment market, which is why we had to do that, go broad quickly and figure out how else you can support and what other products and services you can offer in this space. And then you've got the cost of living crisis as they realize the impact of COVID with all the supply chain issues. Then you've got Russia-Ukraine war, which was at February 2, which sent prices surging even further. So you start to see people withdraw from spending, non-essential spend reduces. You had the mini budget come out, which sent the market into chaos And, and the interest rate rises due to the combination of these things. I mean, the people don't, we've got a mortgage breaking arm. people start to hold on taking out mortgages or changing mortgages because they're waiting for the rates to drop. So all of these have definitely impacted us and we've had to think about that people are actually engaging with. Mm -hmm. So when you go out to fundraise and you're like, well... Okay, we had projected this, maybe we didn't quite hit it, but here's a, a rebalancing of where we think we can get to. It felt to us there was less capital being deployed into startups, certainly like us anyway. So a lot more cautious investing and felt like investors were holding and waiting. So it's always tough, I think, and it, it gets feels like it gets tough. <laughs> but every time, this one was a lot longer, a lot more conversations, a lot more data to be provided. Along with adapting messaging and positioning.
1: Did the amount that you were targeting to raise as well change during this process? Because many startups today are looking instead of say twelve month runway, every investor now advises startups to look at sixteen to even eighteen months runway. Yeah. It
0: definitely fluxed throughout the process, and we were constantly evaluating. What if we could only raise this much? What does that shape look like? Because of course you change your pitch as well according to if you. How much do you think you're going to raise? Because what you can do with three million is a lot less than what you can do with six or ten. And I think prior to going into to the fundraising cycle, we had talked about much chunkier raises, and our expectations needed to come right down from that. And valuations in our minds needed to come right down. And more. our expectations were massively adjusted but in terms of what was realistic. A lot of that happened prior to when we were going up, because I think when you're you're asking, you need to be clear on what it is you want and what you're going to do with that money. So the flux along the way was smaller than the drop that we saw at the beginning of our, our mm-hmm. kind of discussions. But that was tough. And then, of course, as we saw people looking at our burn rate, we had to adjust to that, which is hard.
1: <laughs> so let's move to another topic that I want to talk about today. Restless has a social pep. Yes. How did you strike the balance between... <laughs> commercial and growth focus, fitting into VC investor expectations and delivering wider social impact throughout your fundraising journey.
0: It is all about balance. I think you have to find the right investors that understand the value of the social impact that you're having and why that actually can lead to better revenue generation. because you're doing something positive and you can create a whole brand and a movement around it. You have mm-hmm. lifelong members that will be revenue generating for you. So your LTVs start to look really good. Of course, we're not a charity. We are a business. If we get bigger we generate more revenue, we're able to serve and help more people and allow them to access free content, free services whilst we have the paid for services and products that are generating the revenue. So it's a hard balance to strike. The right investors are really important. That's right.
1: Another topic that I want to cover today, Sarah, as we are speaking, you are seven months pregnant. How have you been thinking about planning for a new family while building Restless?
0: I'll be completely honest, it's been a really scary journey for me, as he probably likes a little bit too much control and struggles to give up. I was already looking at fertility over the last two and a half years mm-hmm. and tracking that. I'm 37, I'm considered a geriatric mum. So my partner and I had a very serious discussion about, right, well, we kind of need to move forward I had waited because the business was up and running and it never felt like there was a good time especially given we were going through fundraising but I think it comes down to priority call and we decided that actually we did want a family I think my first reaction Completely openly scared. Am I going to lose my company? Am I going to become disconnected? What if it really impacts our ability to move forward and deliver? And those are all the things that went through my mind. Since then, I have spoken to some incredible female founders that are either pregnant or have children, and they're brilliant. And they've really managed their own way through it. They've been incredible source of support and reassurance. It's been a bit intense recently, but empowering my team to grow into some of the things that i've been doing our head of communications said a really great thing the other day she's fantastic she just said at some point you're just gonna have to submit and let go of the unknown and, and and what's happening and see it as having a family as a benefit to the business i'm still on my learning curve there's people that know a lot more about this than i do but definitely the support structure from female founders women are right to be concerned about some reactions that they might see from the fundraising market there are questions get asked that are not normally asked or mm-hmm. maybe male founders my coach has been amazing and the family support as well has really helped me navigate my way through some of this scariness mm-hmm. like what are your family plans are you married it's really tough particularly when your business can depend on some of those discussions
1: so Best wishes for the next two months and yeah. onwards, obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need I think there's lots for me to learn.
1: I feel like you've done yeah. bigger than that. <laughs>
0: I'll have two babies. I'll have two babies, yes, company exactly. and actual baby.
1: <laughs> exactly. Just wrapping up, how do you plan to use that capital mm-hmm. over the next uh, 12 to 14 months? for restless
0: it's definitely going to be a lot of it focused on driving revenue so growing sales functions developing products and services that are aligned with revenue generation so financial products and services we are currently looking at membership subscription Mm -hmm. we're literally just testing that at the moment so maintaining a freemium version content etc etc one what are the products and services that people need and want that they are willing to pay a subscription for so that's definitely where our focus is in order to hit those revenue targets that we need to in order to set us up for the next race that will inevitably be coming
1: and what's your vision then for Restless because as we talked to today this is an exciting in my opinion space that is definitely growing where would you want Restless to be let's say in 3-5 years time
0: Oh, my big, hairy, audacious goal. I'd love it to be the one-stop Shock for everything over 50s. Globally, I mean, that would be an amazing goal in three to five years. (laughs) That would be very impressive. Really dominating that central location and being the trusted brand for everything over 50s to support them during their transitionary periods. would be a massive achievement, I think, for us.
1: So I'm wishing you to achieve that vision. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. come on. (laughs) That would be awesome.
1: Amazing, Sarah. It's been a great pleasure. Again, I'm wishing you all the best for restless and
0: we stay in touch brilliant to meet you i guess and lovely to have a conversation really enjoyed it thank Thank you so much do you know a female founder a builder or an investor with a great story to share get in touch at 3.0 at femalefoundry.co. thanks for listening